1: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. DTW, Void. we prohibited by law. See terms
1: and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Past Lives Podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Simon Baum. My mission here at Past Lives Podcast is to investigate evidence that demonstrates survival of the human soul. We will look at past life memories, near-death experiences, spirit communication, and other incredible phenomena. can visit my website at www.pastliveshypnosis.co.uk. This episode I'm talking to Tony Riley about her book Awake. Tony is an international best-selling author and internationally recognised regression therapist. She has extensive experience in taking people through past life regressions. She is also the creator of Soul Life Coaching, guiding thousands of clients worldwide with her unique intuitive approach to personal transformation. Hello, Tony, and welcome to the Past Lives Podcast. So first of all, could you tell us how your book came about?
0: Oh, Simon, my book Awake came about because I guess I had a bit of a, a calling or a feeling that I should try and express um my own personal development and my own awakening to there being a greater purpose to life than I had thought there was, or actually the truth is I hadn't even ever thought about it before. So um, about the time that I did start to think about it and began soul-searching, um, yeah, I felt like I was supposed to write about the things that I did and I experienced so that potentially other people can maybe go a little bit easier on
1: themselves. Well, your book is very personal in places. Did you find it to be quite cathartic? Would you recommend everybody do something like this?
0: It was, um, well, it took me a long time to write it. So when I first started, um, when I first started, I had a Bit of a different perspective to when I finished it, but so I was a little bit of a victim at the beginning, not entirely, but a little bit. Uh, so, but by the end, I had, um, uh, I guess, grown a, a lot more because we're talking an eight or ten year period that uh, I wrote it over. But the personal bits, by the time I got back to them and had to rewrite them, I was in tears some of the times. <laughs> sometimes recalling there were things that I I guess I had tried not to think about or hadn't dwelled upon and and I probably needed to so yes it was cathartic
1: and would you recommend that everybody should write something like this
0: I I don't I think it's not for everyone actually but for me it was a really awesome thing to do and yeah I, I felt like Uh, when I was writing it or when I was even had the idea to write it that I did have to (laughs) put my stuff out there and not really fluff it over too much so hence it ended up like that but I don't know if I don't know if everyone should do it maybe they're kind of maybe happy talking about it or even just reading that someone else has done it to get to feel better about their lives and what what's what they've done what
1: they've experienced well maybe just writing it down is good you don't have to get it published. It's
0: exactly. Yes, of course. In that regard, yes. I think writing it down is a really good thing.
1: Now, you take people through past life regressions. Yeah, I do. Yes. So could you tell us how that came about, that you started doing that?
0: Well, part of... About when I was middle 30s, I separated from my husband and... um Around that time, everything just seemed to open up and one of the things was I started meditating and this woman who was teaching me to meditate, she told me to read a book which was Many Lives, Many Masters and I read it and thought, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that. I was completely enthralled by it even though I'd not really thought about anything like that before. I didn't even think I had issues. Of course I did, but it made me think about them. And I experienced regression for myself. And I guess once I had done that, the first thing is it cleared up some things for me. Amazingly, almost miraculously, I suppose. Uh, And the other thing is... When I experienced that regression for the first time, there's no one now that could convince me or talk me into that it wasn't real because it was re- for me it was real, um, and I guess that's why I became so passionate about it. It it fixed stuff, and I totally believed in it.
1: And when you were doing your own past life regressions. Did anything ever come through that could be later verified? Oh, well,
0: not. I never researched any of mine more than going online and checking if the clothing uh, assimilated, say, with the dates that I had. So um, I wasn't really anyone particularly special, or at least not that I've seen, but certainly um I'm no history buff, I'm still not, but when at that time I was particularly not. But when I went on and researched, you know, the clothing and the the years and the things that I had discovered, they fit. So I guess for me that was reassuring. But one thing that did happen later, I don't think I wrote about it in the book. I, I actually can't remember if I did or not, but one of the lives that cleared up um, – my, I had issues with people looking at what I'm writing, reading what I'm writing, and also speaking in front of people. And one life, um, particular life seemed to take care of all of those things. And in that life, I was like about a 40 year old man. And I didn't really, in, I guess because we were in that regression addressing my writing issues or fear of public speaking kind of thing, um, that we didn't delve into the family affairs or if I had children and none of those um, details came up in my regression. So later, years later, when I regressed my daughter who was 12 at the time, she was telling me about this life that she was in and about three-quarters of the way through, I came to think, oh, that's, that's me. And, of course, I never led her on or anything like that, but I asked some questions just like, well, what does your father do? And she then responded. I was her father in that life, and uh, she was a boy, actually. But she, um, yeah, she filled in some details that were like the same life, from the same
1: life. That's great, That is that really... Opposing point of view. It's
0: really cool.
1: Yeah. I was guided through a past life where I was a woman about thirty years old in seventeenth century yeah. Italy, and I remember in the regression that I was wearing these huge black clunky shoes with these big buckles on, and I thought they're not women's shoes, surely. But <laughs> later, I, I googled it, and these seventeenth century Italian women's <laughs> shoes were big clunky things. Yeah, it's good. It's really cool. Yeah. Something you say in your book is that you choose your parents and your children choose you. Yeah. Is there an environment before you were born where you and your children's souls discuss your children's life plan? Well, from from
0: my little visits there, the in-between life area, it's not so much that you even recognise them as who they are. You definitely don't recognize them as who they are now, but there is the energy resonates. Um, But yes, yes. And I think it probably goes even beyond that we agreed with our parents and our children. It's almost like the whole life is planned out for who we're going to encounter throughout, throughout our lives. But I guess with our parents and Children, I think that they obviously because they're the closest to us or the most affected by us, certainly when we're young. Um, yeah, they we we agree for key reasons to come together,
1: and so you have a life plan put in place. This is something I got from your book. There is a life plan, yeah. I mean, we talk about fate and destiny. But is there a chance the life plan just doesn't work out that perhaps you just don't do it or somebody who is part of the plan just doesn't do their part?
0: Well, I I know that many people disagree, but I believe and I take notice of it all the time. I do believe that it's pretty well set. And I think that part of the human condition is that we want to believe that when things go bad, Or we're having a tough time, or horrible things happen in the world. We want to believe that that wasn't, couldn't possibly have been part of the plan. But I believe the opposite. I believe it is planned, and um, everything is happens strategically, and probably even those times when we think we're off track, we're off path. um, It's still all got a deeper meaning behind it. And and I think once we start looking at what could possibly be the meaning behind the horrible things that happen, I suppose, because no one really wants to delve for the awesome things that happen. Um, but the tricky things that happen or bad things that happen, it's really worth delving to find out what could possibly be the deeper meaning behind it. But I do still, back to the uh, is the life planned? I think it all is. I don't think anyone doesn't do what they're meant to, or uh, even that would be a human fear that oh, we weren't meant to do that, or that person isn't isn't doing what you know what they should have done. It'll still be all human things. I think stepping in, <laughs> trying to control it. I guess.
1: Now I wanted to ask you about a line in your book. It says, "Yeah." turmoil of any kind is an assurance of being on path can you explain what that yeah. means
0: yeah i guess pro- kind of in line with what i've just said i i feel like when i feel like the purpose of being here is to experience turmoil to an extent so um it seems to be what happens to us, turmoil that makes us start to seek deeper meaning. Um, and we all experience it at some time or another. And I think that because my life was so dandy before and I hadn't really thought deeper than fun things and feeling pretty happy most of the time. Um, when, when I did go into turmoil, it was a little bit of a, I was really actually shocked that you could feel so, whatever, so low and so emotional, so sad, all of those kinds of things. Of course, they pass, but um, they can hang around for a really long time. So that's where I feel like people like to think they're off track when the shitty times of life are Prevalent, but um, but I think it's part of what we're supposed to be doing here is experiencing emotions, and of course, there's a gamut of them, and a lot of them are not pleasant.
1: So, we're learning from everything that happens, yeah. I believe so. So, from a spiritual point of view, mm. nothing is bad, it's all a good learning experience. I
0: feel like it's all an experience, and I'm, I mean, good and bad is. Of course, we can go to the extremes, but if we're talking about everyday life, you know, people living everyday life, yeah, I think essentially there isn't good or bad. It's more just that we judge things by uh, – well, actually, probably by how we feel and how we've been hurt in the past or treated, then um, – yeah, we can judge everyone as good or bad, but I think one of the most beautiful things that I have come to realise, and maybe you feel like this too, is when you're working with people on such a close level, whether it's regression or counselling with them, they, for me, they're all good at the core. Nobody sets out to be, I don't feel like, not not literally consciously setting out to be bad. They're all reacting to something. And I think that is what makes me realize that there's essentially no good or bad, only only our perception of it.
1: And it's all a learning experience.
0: Yeah, I think it's to experience. I think it's just to experience every side of or every aspect that's possible in life. And we might not do that all in one life. But I guess because you and I are into the past life, um, the regression, but Uh, even if people aren't, I do think still the experiences are to experience all possible aspects
1: of being here in a body. Now, that reminds me of something else you say in your book. You say that we are only a portion of our soul when we reincarnate. Can you explain what you mean by that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, are you familiar with mediumship?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, okay I've been I've been over to your neck of the woods training of lots of times for mediumship but I feel like with mediumship the energy of that person who is very likely incarnated now or reincarnated you can still um you can still communicate with their energy so um so I think that soul as a whole or that soul energy yes it's always accessible whether it's in the format of of w- whether we're accessing it for ourselves as in we're talking to our higher self or we're accessing our intuition or if we are seeking a, a message from our passed over loved one um, who likely is already in another body.
1: So it's kind of like the soul um, is experiencing lots of different lives or Holding on to—it's difficult to explain, isn't it? It's, this spiritual <laughs> stuff. It's—it's it's like the soul. You may have had a thousand lives, and the soul still holds on to all of them and knows all of them throughout. And each personality is in some way still existing.
0: Well, I think you can. I think you can call on it if 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 you need to. If you're still alive, and someone that you uh, want, or maybe even don't want to hear from, because uh, if you if uh mediumship is part of your realm, whether you're receiving a message or we work in it, um, that energy is available. So I kind of also believe that it's not actually our soul learning so much as the spirit of who we are at the time on earth. That's what's having the experiences. I feel like once we go back, uh, once we leave our body, everything is pretty well blissful again. And the pain's gone, the judgment's gone.
1: When I talk to people who have had near-death experiences, they talk about how blissful it is and how there is an intense feeling of love, like nothing you feel when you're alive.
0: That's right. Um, And part of, well, I was doing regression in a big way, but over the years it evolved into where people are going into those spaces in between. They all say the same thing, and it's, it's pure bliss. And there's nothing, um, yeah, there's, there's kind of nothing there. Someone once described it. I thought it was a really articulate explanation. He said, it's like the most beautiful painting you've ever seen, but you can't see it. It's weird, but it doesn't feel weird up there. It just feels like bliss. And, and there is nothing, well certainly there's nothing that I have felt on earth that is the same, even though being in love is pretty damn special, but um, yeah, it's different.
1: And in the near-death experience, some of the people say the space they go to was specifically for them, like it was constructed just for them to be the best place for them. It's their idea of heaven when you work in the Life Between Life space, do you get that impression?
0: That is that is really interesting what you've just said. This I need to listen to your most recent interview, actually, <laughs> with the near-death lady. Um, I think... I don't know if I've actually heard anyone say they feel like it was constructed just for them, but I do know that they all... We're talking hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, They just all feel they aren't, they are pretty much not surrounded by others. It's, it's, it is energetically, really, I guess, them. Um, So I suppose it could be seen like that or felt like that, that it was constructed just for them in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions
1: apply. See website for details. When I've read um, Michael Newton's books, his books are almost like a, a guide to the afterlife. You know, he says, yes. you'll do this, then you'll do this, then you'll do this. And you meet your soul group and your soul guides. Have you ever come across this?
0: We, yes, but I and I did read those books um way back in my early days of this, and I loved them. but what i I didn't I found that when people were going there within my sessions or training, it was somewhat random it it wasn't because I told them to go there or I directed them. they would go. and because I had read those books, I knew, That they were heading somewhere else. So, and I knew then how to um, potentially guide them around. I have to say, and so I never necessarily went down the road of getting those details like he gets, but certainly some people would be able to describe soul groups, soul family, and they could recognize some of them. I think probably one of the most, um, I was going to say assuring, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but. I'm just thinking of one guy that went, one young fellow who was in turmoil with his father. They they had a really a bad relationship, I suppose. Um, and when he went up in between lives, he was exploring around and telling me, and he's he became furious and he said, "What's he doing in my group?" But the thing is, um, once we're back there, we're all. <laughs> look i guess blissful again so all of these things that i hear people say when they're there is assures me that there's purpose to what we're doing down here you know no matter how we feel about it at the time and i think to put some context to that young guy what what would happen from that is he would begin to look more deeply at what's going on with his father knowing that there is a a much broader picture and their energies have been together before and they're actually, um, in, you know, in the same soul family.
1: And they would have many different lives together and many different relationships.
0: You would, they would have, yeah. Well, we didn't explore them in his case, but yeah, in all, all different roles.
1: <laughs> there is a short paragraph in your book and I wanted to ask you what it meant. But I'll just read it now. At some stage, we'll be made aware that there is more to our existence than the physical body housing our soul, leading to the discovery that each of us has our very own infinite, all-knowing library of wisdom and that we can call upon it during our incarnation. Would we do that through meditation? How, How does that work?
0: I think for some people, and me included, it absolutely came from meditating because I think before I ever considered anything else, I I didn't meditate. I actually thought only monks meditated. I was so ignorant to what it even was. Um, so, yeah, I think that they would get it. And, I mean, even if people don't meditate, like literally I mean, I don't sit there with my hands on my knees with my legs crossed. But even if people are not meditating in that form, it might be when they're lying in bed, you know, early in the morning or just about to fall asleep at night where they potentially have these revelations because they're quiet or they're quiet and there's not busyness going on around, which essentially is, I suppose, what meditation is, just trying to block out life so we can access the subconscious Um, But yeah, I think that's pretty much how it would happen. And if people feel a draw to discover more, they'll probably seek out meditation. Whereas not everyone's going to do that in this life, um, but I think that they still get this sort of all-knowing, probably usually maybe when someone dies that that they miss, then they suddenly maybe become aware that there is this energy around and maybe start to notice things, whatever, it could be feathers or, um, you know, the lights flickering or whatever, but within themselves, even if they'd never thought of this kind of thing before, there's this, oh, there's something more. So, um, yeah, and I guess ideally, if you're using that the benefits of it down here i i would sum it up as intuition and kind of following that inner sense that we have because i think that's our soul who already knows what, what we're doing here
1: so it's like when you're trying to work on something and you suddenly get this fantastic idea it's just come out of nowhere yes is that your soul giving it to you?
0: I believe it is. I think some some people call it your higher self. Maybe some people even call it guides and those kinds of things. Whatever they call it, I feel like it's our soul coming in with this revelation or idea, guidance, whatever we want to call it. And it's many things that happen through life where we, we're we actually receiving little messages. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good example of what it is.
1: Okay, then. Right, on to another chapter in your book. (laughs) Yeah. Say, in our energetic form, our thoughts, knowledge, insight and traits are highlighted for every other soul to see. Our energy is transparent. We cannot hide anything, nor is there any need to. Is that something that we would have in our physical lives? Or surely that's just in a... between souls.
0: Oh, that, that... Uh, that is about for me. When we're not in the body, when we're not in the body, those those that paragraph that you've just read is is how it is. So essentially, we just we don't have to ever feel like physical pain. We don't. We, I don't even feel like we feel emotions because there's nothing to cause it. And I think that's why it feels like pure bliss up there. It's not even up there, but. You know, wherever that energetic form is, that when when we're not in our body, so and you know, you know what I, I guess what I'm saying is, if there's no body uh, and no mind, then there's no manipulation, there's no emotions felt, so no one has to try and work anything out because it's just it's transparent. Whereas in our bodies, we uh, we can hide lots of things and in our minds as well. All we have to do is choose not to say or, or not to share how we're feeling uh, or that kind of thing. And then we might, you know, manipulate with <laughs> with
1: our emotions. So it's a situation where you cannot hide anything, nor is there any need to, because you're not going to be judged by anyone, no other souls. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you kind of you, you when you popple off there, it's like um it's it's a whole different thing. It's almost like, oh, you you're back. You you you've done that one now, and uh, it's just totally different. So, and I think I I guess the thing with that realization for people as they have it is it it kind of takes away the fear that's placed on us. I guess through religion, that's just one thing. But, you know, where we're, we're living in fear of, of death is one thing, but in fear of doing the wrong thing or the bad thing, and we're going to be punished. Um, but actually, once we leave our body, it's it's not about being punished. It's like no one is punishing anyone then because we did what we were supposed to do while we were here.
1: Now, there have been a lot of synchronistas in your life. How is it that they happen? Is there some mm. type of guidance from a spiritual source?
0: I guess I guess I see synchronicity as the plan playing out. But I guess at at a point when you start to take notice of synchronicity, it's everywhere in in your own life. If you start to to look at it and see what's happened, and this usually this comes in hindsight. <laughs> it comes in hindsight. You reflect and go, whoa. This is why that happened because whatever it might be transpires so in hindsight you can see how it weaved how it worked so i do believe that synchronicity is kind of the mechanism i suppose or it's a sign that um that our little we're living our plan we're living it living it living our map
1: at the end of every chapter you have the life lessons can you tell us what they're about and could you explain some of them to us
0: well, they were they were a bit of an idea that people who were, um, I guess, in a bit of a phase of wanting to learn about themselves or discover a bit of a deeper meaning to their own life, that they might like to, you know, have a look at those exercises and fit them into their lives or see where they fit into their own life. So I put it in there more for, a, I guess, a self-development tool, um which is of course it's optional but um but it's there if for those who like to do those kinds of things and maybe use it to delve a little bit deeper into their own life their own self their own awareness
1: yeah talking about reincarnation there is an understanding in yeah. popular culture that karma is some form of cosmic justice whereby you get your punishment meted out to you is that your interpretation
0: I kind of feel really strongly that karma is very misunderstood and personally, I don't feel like karma is payback at all. I feel like it's, that's because I believe that uh, we're here to experience all aspects of life, but I think that, um, yeah, I think like you say, I think it's much more subtle than it's been portrayed widely through humanity, that it's a bit of a it's a, it's a payback thing, and what you dish out, you're going to get back, it's going to come back at you. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's definitely not punishment.
1: As There's that saying, isn't there, an eye for an eye? Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's what it is.
0: Oh, and, Simon, do you, sometimes I hear this, um, just maybe to try and put karma into maybe how people are seeing it, but I don't see it this way, but something something horrible might happen in the media and and then you hear people commenting and they'll be like, karma will get him or karma will get her. Or Sometimes people even say it, you know, within, within their own emotional turmoil. And it's like, oh my goodness, I really don't think it's a good thing to be. Um, it's just, is it good karma to be wishing that on people anyway, no matter what they did? So for me, it's about Come on, look at everything a bit deeper and, and resist blaming karma. So I think that's what people do sometimes when they're in turmoil is they want to blame karma. Um, in Like if, well, I guess if they're having a hard time, uh, they might start to, and they believe that there's something more already, they might start to say, well, I must have been such a horrible person last time or in my last life. But to me, that is also a blame. It's blaming something instead of um, looking deeper into why is your life like that? What's the purpose to it? And um trying to, yeah, just delve deeper for the meaning behind where we're at in our lives.
1: And when you're doing your past life regression sessions, have you ever had someone come to you with a physical ailment? Yeah. And- after the regression, it's been really positive and there's, uh, it's been really therapeutic.
0: I've had quite a few of them, actually. Um, do you want me to give you some examples?
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: OK, so the, I'll, I'll tell you the first couple of things that are coming to mind. But one woman... the. the this one was actually in a group so lots of people got to witness it because she um she went on about it we were in training so there were five days um she was a psychologist actually but she had had a very bad back I, I think for that woman would have been in her late 50 s and I think she'd had that for a lot of her life and um and she was laying down in class or lying down in class and anyway when, when after her regression it was gone and then every day after that she would come in and you know be be different and also be euphoric that for the first time in a very long time she didn't have this back pain that's one thing that's coming to my mind but also uh oh one woman had rash actually can't remember if it was like eczema, but it was rash and it was on her chest. And it kind of almost disappeared before our eyes. So miraculous. I have to say that that's only happened twice that I've seen. But hers was just like, whoa, look at that. And she also said she'd had that for 15 years or something like that.
1: And was she going through a particular past life that was related to that rash there was something that happened in the previous life that was causing it.
0: now that now that you've asked me that yes she was and i'm trying to think of the details i have done so many past life regressions but mm, i'm trying to think what the cause was and it may have been that she was burned like flicked with um flicked with well, something that that burned her. Yeah. And then and then as she'd sort of uh re well, not really experienced it, as she recalled it, it was um, you know, she came out of it and she was like, Whoa, look at that. So I think the physical things are really exciting. And when when people just cannot find any answer but yet they have a physical symptom, it's like, just try regression. It's brilliant. Or it's worth trying because it's such a, I mean, it's such a gentle procedure. Even if they see something we might perceive to be pretty traumatic, it's um, it can clear their physical ailments in
1: a flick, really. And Have you ever done past life regressions where people have gone to lives that are not human, that perhaps they were animals or lives on other planets.
0: I've not had anyone be an animal, but yes, people go sometimes. Yes, they go to other planets, or I don't even know if they're called planets. Actually, other other realms, other places, but certainly um, not not as hu- not in the same human form as we are now. Some of them seem to be somewhat human, and some are even more much more energetic.
1: And what sort of places do they describe? Is it cultures and civilizations? or is it more basic than that?
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, sometimes. And I must say, I the kind of places that people talk about in these sort of new age realms like Atlantis and those sorts of things, I've never been... Um, drawn to them or study them or anything like that. And I have to say, even when people have gone to these other realms, they've never told me that they were anywhere that I'd ever heard of. So um, maybe they didn't even say the name of them, but, but they were able to describe the, uh, well, you know, certainly how they appeared and how they felt and compare it to what it's like here. They were able to do that.
1: Some of the past life regressions that I have been through and that I have seen, people have got very emotional. These regressions can have a lot of impact. And it is said that this is some kind of verification. If it was just your imagination, that emotion wouldn't be there. Is that how you view it?
0: I totally view it
1: that way. And I guess, like I told you when
0: I first did it, that emotion was so strong in me, uh, and I, I guess that was the assurance. And like you said, maybe most of them get emotional, and it's against their will. They're um, they're not expecting it, and I do feel like it is the assurance. and Maybe it's also the assurance that they need that they didn't make it up. I'm really excited that we're talking about it because I feel like even when I try and explain it on my website or that kind of thing it's difficult to actually describe it because the re- to experience it for yourself is just I f- I feel like in a way it's indescribable but um it's so it is such a powerful thing to do for anyone to experience I believe
1: yeah So could you tell us what has been the most amazing regression you've done or perhaps the most surprising one?
0: Oh, my goodness. Hopefully something's going to kick in my mind.
1: Have you ever taken someone through a regression and you've thought to yourself, holy moly?
0: (laughs) Um, Oh, Simon, this is going to sound terrible. But I've done so many amazing ones that they all – I used to do, because I travelled to see people, I used to do like seven and sometimes even ten in a row, different people, and you know in the regression they might go through a few lives. So it all just kind of becomes background, and then even now when I recall the ones that I recall, they're the same few, even though there's been thousands of incredible ones. But I think, um, well, probably... um, Gosh, what, what's been amazing? To me, sometimes the amazement is in the simplicity of them, actually. And and I think even part of how simple some of these lives are m- assures me that the emotional content or the emotional aspect of life is why we're here. So even um, cavemen and... You know those those kinds of very simple lives, or the other thing I'm getting. I know I'm not picking one specifically, but generalising the lives where people are. Um, oh, how do I say this? But indigenous and communal in their little communities, those seem to be the most lovely at all. They still have their love things going on and disappointments and abandonment because people die when they're hunting and, you know, this kind of thing. But um, they do seem to be quite – the simple lives seem to be really quite powerful. And I suppose that's because in our Western society they're not always so simple and we need to
1: reel it back in sometimes. And you never get somebody – coming through who used to be famous it's one of the things the skeptics always say why is it people are always cleopatra or king henry the eighth but uh, it's not like that
0: and they never you're right you're right simon i have not had anyone famous famous either so and i think that's something that that used to bother me, but now I think, oh, that's just, they're skeptics, so um, don't worry about them anymore. But they certainly do go in with why is everyone Cleopatra or Jesus or those kinds of things, but they're not, never seen it. And I guess it's the same ratio as, I mean, now if you think about how many people are on the planet and how many of them are famous, it's such a small ratio. So it's not surprising that when we're doing our past lives, you rarely, if ever, or in my case, never have seen anyone famous.
1: And do you have any plans to do a new book, perhaps one that's all about past life regressions?
0: I do know I'm writing more books, but I haven't. I I haven't quite got my clarity on which way to go. But I, I think that there's lots of books now with uh, case studies on past lives. But I think um, maybe... What I would love to do is really spell out the therapeutic value of each case and how it would affect them now, so that people can get a bit more of an understanding of, um, the, I guess the purpose even to doing regression, because I think I think I mean it is magical, but the therapeutic value of it is it's so powerful. So I think to to highlight that so that people might try it, I guess, could be really cool. So maybe that's going to be the next book.
1: And we can get your current book, Awake, on Mm. Amazon. But is it available on other places? It's on Amazon or it's on my
0: website, which is TonyRileyInstitute.com forward slash Awake. But um, Amazon's probably pretty easy. They send off the hard copy or it's on Kindle or I even recorded it read for six and a half hours to record that book (laughs) for audio.
1: I bet that's hard work.
0: It's I don't know. I think you just get in a zone. And I did it in two sessions of three and a half hours. But, um, yeah, you just read. (laughs) It's pretty amazing.
1: Well, thank you very much for coming on to the Past Lives podcast. It's been a really great conversation.
0: Thanks for having me, Simon.
1: And that was an interview with Tony Riley. Thank you very much for listening to the Past Lives Podcasts. You could get in touch with me through my website at www.pastliveshypnosis.co.uk. And if you listen through Apple Podcasts, why not subscribe? Bye.